0: everybody and welcome to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Artherton. And today we're going to be talking about finding your gifts in your most authentic self. My guest today is Lauren Polly, who is an author of a book called The Other Side of Bipolar, which is a an award-winning book. She's a speaker. She's a coach. She's a podcast host. Her podcast is called The Lighten Up Podcast, which we're going to talk a lot more about this, but I encourage everybody who's listening to this episode, to go check out her podcast. I found it incredibly thought-provoking, and it made me go, hmm, more than a few times. So welcome, Lauren. I am happy to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to be here, and I love the name of your podcast. Every time
1: I hear it, I kind (laughs)
0: of... you know, yes, old chicks do no shit. They do. They do. And I want to kick this episode off with a line and you and I were just talking about this, but I want to share this with our listeners because there's a line that you wrote that just perfectly sums up the shift to this next chapter of our lives where you talk about, we all have strokes of brilliance and gifts outside the norm. It takes exploring them from a different perspective where we question everything, judge nothing and challenge the narrative to unlock our true potential. That is so beautiful and I feel like it's so relevant to the topic of midlife reinvention because that is literally what we were doing we are doing. And questioning and judging and not judging while we challenge who we are is absolutely the work that we are doing as we enter this next chapter of our lives. It's yeah. yeah.
1: It's almost like every chapter. And it's funny because I was given my label and diagnosis as a teenager. And so my 20s and 30s is really about challenging that narrative. And then we just take on these roles in life. And every time we go to the next evolution of ourselves, we kind of get a little stuck because we're still holding on to that last defined self, the last role, that last kind of persona that you had. So that challenging of the narrative is so important because we have all those stories. And even in midlife, it's interesting working with women who are going through that transition too. Some of the stories are still from childhood.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we carry forward things, you know, like we carry them like we own them. And I remember like when I was like in grade one or two, I had a teacher. I I struggled with writing. My printing was not good. And she's told me that I was a a bad writer. And what she actually meant was I'm a bad writer because I couldn't print in the little lines that they used to give you Mm -hmm. on the page. But I carried that I'm a bad writer through my entire life. And it clouded everything that I wrote, not just because I was printing, but that label, bad writer, (laughs) like I carried it with me. And it was only when again, when I started going like, oh, wait, I'm actually not a bad writer. I'm a good writer. But it took me a while to kind of shed that narrative. And so we're you know, whether from your book, The Other Side of Bipolar, whether you're talking about a mental health diagnosis or any kind of diagnosis, we all have labels,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
0: That we put yeah. on ourselves. This, this society just loves to
1: like put you in a nice little box. And the thing is with humans is we don't fit in a nice little box. And sometimes we're more successful than others about shoving ourselves in one. Um, I feel like a lot of people who are very successful in life, they've just really learned to put on the mask and be able to be like, This is where I show up at work. This is who I am personally. This is the kind of mom I am. And we get so fragmented and so sectionalized that really having the wealth of who we are, everything present in every moment gets really hard to do. And that's when we start to feel super inauthentic or like we're missing something. And I feel like midlife is a big time where you kind of wake up and go, what have I been doing? Where am I going in the future? It's a great time for questioning, really, you know?
0: Yeah, because, and I love this, because like, as you just said, the masks that we wear, all of a sudden, they start to feel really uncomfortable, because they're not who we are. And I feel like as we go, you know, into midlife, as we go into menopause, anything that doesn't fit us, like the true core of who we are is going to begin to feel uncomfortable. And it's supposed to be that way right? It's supposed to like make it uncomfortable enough for us to question it because this chapter of life is all about stepping into the most authentic version of ourselves because that's where we find our gifts, right? Like that's where we find our purpose and our passion is in that most authentic um, section of ourselves. And if you're
1: carrying that judgment forward, those mind stories, it gets really hard because our lens gets colored. You know, we all have kind of have that, like, I like thinking of it, like sometimes we take the toxic positivity, side of it where we're rose-colored glasses and I'm perfectly fine. I don't have to work on anything or look at anything. And then some of us function more with like a dark shade where everything is always a little bit off or a little bit wrong. We're always in self-judgment. It gets really hard to have just kind of like a clear lens where... I have brutal honesty with myself. I know who I am. I know what I'm creating when I interact with people in the world. And then being able to kind of create from there, that brings you way more into authenticity. But you don't get yeah. there unless you look at the judgment, the positive and the negative side because it just locks you up, you know?
0: Yeah. I did an exercise last year. I guess it was where I just decided I was going to be aware of all the times and places that I judged myself. And mm-hmm. that I judged other people. And I have to say, I was alarmed, like, alarmed by how much judgment I had put about things that shouldn't be this way. This person shouldn't be doing that. Oh, she shouldn't be wearing that or whatever. Right. Like, and then I realized that as much as I was judging other people, I was also judging myself mm-hmm. in the same, in equal measure. <laughs> yeah. Right. And becoming aware of, how much judgment there is and i I guess it's a kind of a natural human trait i don't know Mm -hmm. what you think about that it's just like like you said the need to put everything in a box this -hmm. doesn't fit in that box therefore it doesn't you know i'm gonna judge it Mm -hmm. but even becoming aware of it it was like i had to like catch myself mid-judgment all the time and especially of myself like that was so huge i had no idea so I challenge anybody listening, if you really want to open your own eyes to be to brutal honesty with yourself, try not complaining and try not judging and yeah. see and see like how how unconscious it is, right? Yeah. And it's so interesting too.
1: One of my favorite flips for that. I love working with a flip because a lot of times when you're in judgment, if you flip it, all of a sudden there's more space and it becomes mm-hmm. thought provoking, like you had said about my podcast. You know, you're like, huh. I hadn't thought about it that way, is really to look at, okay, that's my inner dialogue. I'm judging that person or I'm judging myself. Would I ever say this out loud?
0: Right. And as soon as
1: I I played with that of like, I would never say any of that. Well, then if that's the case, then why is it going through my head? And if you do tend to be more of a self-judger, which most of us usually do, we're way harder on ourselves than other people. If you kind of think about would I ever not only say it out loud, but would I say it to somebody else? A lot of us are so harsh with how we look at ourselves versus other people. That's another like rude awakening, but also very freeing way to look at it as well. Yeah. And it's funny because
0: one of the things I I started to do was when I found myself, like if I found myself in judgment about somebody and I was out somewhere, I would make an attempt to smile at them and say hello. Because as soon as I did that, it was like, oh, it's human to human. But like, it was easy for me to judge because it was just this person, this thing in front of me. And I'm being brutally honest here, people. (laughs) But like, it was this like nameless, faceless thing. But as soon as I like had that interaction where I smiled at them or I said hello, like especially if we were walking down the street or something, it kind of dissipated. And I was like, oh, look at that. Like, I actually viewed them as a human and my judgment left. (laughs) Right. Because it's what judgment creates, though, because judgment creates a
1: separation. You're in this box. I'm in that box. My box is better than yours or your box is better than mine. But we're still separate. And so yeah. when you do the human to human, it's a beautiful little flip because now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're not over there and I'm over here. We're actually yeah. here together. And we lose sight of that so easy, especially as you're ticking through your to-do list or you know, you're know you trying to problem solve your own stuff in your own head. It becomes easy to kind of push people away. And then that's just an open invitation for that separation and judgment to come in.
0: Yeah. And I think that's probably like, you know, Judgment is probably like the thing we didn't know we're doing and the thing that we need to let go of most, or the thing we didn't even realize we needed to let go of. Mm Because I think once you let go of judgment, it opens up all kinds of possibilities for other people, but also for yourself, right? So like when I judge myself as I'm not a good writer, or I judge myself as being not capable of or not smart enough or pretty enough or whatever, (laughs) any of the enoughs, not enoughs, Right. As soon as I let go of that judgment and say, "Hmm, what if it was possible that I am, or it just might be possible that I could, that I am a good writer or I could learn to write. Right. Like it just starts to open up things. Space, I guess, is what it does. It creates space. One of the energy
1: systems that I've studied, they talk a lot about like if you're not in question, you're in conclusion, and when you conclude anything, you take your possibilities and you null and void them, and your space actually contracts, right? Because you're just in this super linear thought. You've lost your imagination and your wonder and your sweetness of being open to other things. That comes through question, and it's fun to play with some people are like, well, do I ask questions all day to do that? It's like, you don't have to do that. I always think about the energy of amusement or wonder or curiosity. Because if you're curious and you're wondering about stuff, that's a very different way to approach somebody. Like imagine a conversation, you're wondering about their response, what's going on for them. That's very different than what most of us do where I already have an issue with you here's what you are, here's where I am. And you kind of pre organize the conversation in in your own head. I don't know if anyone else does that. I do that all the time. Ah. Oh, yeah. But that's that's the energy of the conclusion versus actually being in curiosity. And you push the conversations and also the creation in your life very forcefully when you come at them with preconceived notions. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, and I truly believe that when you cut off all of those possibilities and you focus all of your energy on the one thing that you perceive or judge is going to happen. You, you're you literally bringing that thing to you. Yep. <laughs> like, I mean, I have sometimes whole conversations in my head that never a- actually happened because I've already predisposed the way this conversation with that person is going to go. And one day I was like, well, you know, like, have you ever had an argument in your head with somebody that you actually never had? <laughs> I'm going to say this and then she's going to say that and then we're going to get into this. And then I'd be like, oh, wait a minute, but maybe I, maybe it's not going to be that way. Maybe I'm going to put all my energy on what it looks like on the other side of that, right? And like, it's so was- sad too because you never give the person an opportunity to kind of like come at you from a
1: different angle. So when you're no. so defined that way, your relationships never change. Everything is just stuck in the old groove, you know? So it just comes back to the judgment plus the challenging of the narrative to really shake things up. But I find if you can really harness that like wandering curiosity, like curious little cat wandering through the day, that was easier for me than trying to piecemeal it. Right. So you can kind of look at it kind of in a broader way as well.
0: Are there practical tools, tips, or exercises that you give people to help with this kind of, you know, moving from judgment into curiosity?
1: Hmm. True story.
0: So basically, anytime you notice yourself doing a
1: statement, you can flip it into a question. Ah. I'm a bad writer. Oh, Am I truly a bad writer? Right. You know, if I didn't know that, what else would be true? You know, if it wasn't told to me that I was like that and me with a diagnosis, most of the judgments I had of myself were given to me. Uh, Uh, Either through a doctor or me reading a textbook about my diagnosis. It was like all of a sudden when I read and I started learning more information, it's like all these things that were on the page, all of a sudden became like a personality trait that I was destined to have. Even though that's not the way this works. You don't have everything in the medical sequela, you know, but then you read it and you're like, oh, wait, I don't have it yet, but maybe that will come later. So a lot of these judgments just kind of, they're given to you. It's like, if you think of like a garden and here you are, tending your soil and you're planting the flowers you want other people come and start planting things in it Mm -hmm. you have to go through the work of like tilling the soil and pulling those things out because they're not yours to begin with they were given to you and it gets really sticky because we've developed so many like mind stories around it but if you can also not just flip into question but start looking at where did that come from you know Where did that mind story come from? Like you and your first grade teacher. Sometimes there's a really clear link and you can go, oh, that was given to me. I didn't plant that flower. Never mind. It's easier to let it go. And some things don't have a really direct link. It's been fascinating in my own journey looking back of like I can pinpoint some things and other things I think you just kind of absorb from the environment when you're empathetic and energetically aware. It's like you're just a little sponge and you go soak it up you like somebody, you care about them a lot, you kind of soak up their stuff. And all of a sudden, what was given to them was given to you. It's it's bizarre. But if you can recognize what's actually your flowers and what you planted.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that analogy. Mm-hmm. Because I, one of my, I was talking to another guest about this uh, the other day about, you know, when you come onto this planet, you're like a computer with no programming. Mm-hmm. And from the minute you open your mouth and you have that first cry, right? Like the downloading starts, right? And then we develop our identity around all of these pieces of information that we're picking up, whether it's right or wrong, whether it belongs to us or not belong to us, or, you know, wherever it came from, right? And then that becomes our identity. And then I think that this is the challenge, right? Is you get to, you know, this place, you know, in your 40s or 50s where you're like, okay, what's next? And all of that programming has told you who you are and you can't see past it. Like you can't imagine any possibility that exists out of where you are at this particular point in time. Yeah. And so interesting too, because at midlife in
1: particular, you probably put a lot of work, energy, and time into some flowers that were never yours. And here you were tending the garden. And to rip those ones up later, it's like, It wasn't given to me, but it's like a full-fledged plant right now. Is it okay to actually take that out of your garden? And the answer is yes. You know, you always have permission to change, but it's interesting working with people during life transitions because a lot of what holds them back is this idea of how are people in my life going to react to it. And it feels like letting go of myself and my defined self as it's been up until now may also be letting go of those people. And in a way that's actually super true because if you can give yourself up in your defined way and look for what's next, you're going to shake them up. It's a creation moment. They may choose to come with you, but they may choose not to, but things will change. So I think it's, it's interesting how much we hold ourselves kind of in limbo or in stuckness because we're afraid of what that ripple effect may be.
0: Yeah, that is so true. And the point that you made about having how much you've invested, whether it was your flower or not, like how much water, you know, and fertilizer did you put on that thing and you tended it and like all this investment. And now I'm just going to go and uproot that plant, whether, you know, like, (laughs) What a like what a beautiful analogy. I love this garden analogy. <laughs> I um and then the idea that like, you know, I'm in my little bucket of water and if I start to ripple, it's gonna impact so and so and it's gonna, you know, change other people in this way. And, you know, as women, we're cultured to be people pleasers. <laughs> right. And so when we start, you know, <laughs> rippling the water and other people's boats start rocking, right? We feel a little bit guilty for it. And to your point, that can hold us back. Yeah. It's so it's so much easier
1: to stifle yourself than it is to be comfortable in creating ripples in the world, which is fascinating to me. And yeah. I watch myself, I watch other women. I mean, it's just amazing. I think it's a People thing in general. But I also think gender plays a huge role in it, especially women who tend to be super empathetic or really drawn to caregiving and putting other people above themselves. Just some people are wired to be people pleasers way more than other people. But that thing of like, well, it's just easier to kind of put myself in a straight jacket and just stand still, even though I'm unhappy and kind of drowning and suffocating. That for some reason seems like an easier, safer choice than letting whatever you need in that moment ripple and affect the people around you. But it's based on a lie. It's based on... And I go back to the energy conversation because in my personal journey, handling the physical things in the world was super important. Finances, business, the practicality of relationships. But when I really started looking at the unseen... The energy, the dynamics at play that no one really talks about but are there constantly, you start to get a whole new perspective and there's a lot more nuanced conversations and growth that can happen. And the big lie is like the opposite of what energy is. Energy is always moving, it's always changing. It never stays still. It's a stream right. in the forest. The water's always filtering right. itself. So when you are treating yourself as the stifled thing that can never change and that your ripples may change somebody else and they don't want to change,
0: you're really going against the nature of the universe and how things yeah. actually work. Yeah, that is so true. And the amount mm. of energy, like physical energy that it takes, like um, I heard the analogy of like trying to hold a beach ball underwater right? Like you can hold it there, but it's going to come up one way or the other. It's going mm-hmm. to, and, and the amount of energy that you're consuming of trying to hold that thing in place. Like for me personally, that ended up being burnout, mm-hmm. right? Like trying to fit myself into a box that I didn't really belong in and chopping off pieces of myself. Like the amount of energy it was taking to play that role played a huge role in my own physical health.
1: I think I love, I love to invite people to, and like even right now, if you can just like wherever you're listening, maybe kind of rock your body a little bit, because you might be holding on to some tension and just kind of like let yourself lean back. And it's like leaning back into yourself, because if you're holding the beach ball underwater, you're using a lot of force, a lot of fight a lot of control. And a lot of us live that way where we're physically like pushed forward because there's so much force and energy trying to keep things the way we think they should. Or if I can control every variable, something bad won't happen, that kind of thing. Yeah. When really, if you can just get used to changing your physical posture into one of receiving support, Your body can start to actually lead you a little bit more into that energy because our mind will always wanna push forward with effort. But I love using the body in that scenario of just kind of allowing the physicality to relax. And if you work on this long enough, it's really beautiful. It's funny. Most of the people who popped to be private one-to-one clients with me, it's because of the conversations around control. And they didn't even realize they were controlling until they started hearing some of these conversations. And then they went, oh, that's why I'm tight in my body. That's why I'm a little exhausted and burnt out because we don't realize how much effort just the day-to-day takes when you're trying to hold the beach ball underwater and not ripple change into the world. So whatever you need to do to kind of allow yourself to like relax in, there's a wealth of support that's there where you don't have to force things. It will create change because you're not holding on anymore, Mm -hmm. but that's a really, that's a not only beautiful way to live, but it's actually way easier than what you've probably been doing up until now.
0: Yeah. One of your podcast episodes, you were talking about the sweetness of life. Mm -hmm. And like leaning into these moments, like we're all so, you know, we live in a type A culture, go, 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 control, control, manipulate, right? And your podcast, you were talking about like leaning into, you know, stopping and smelling the roses, leaning Mm -hmm. into moments of like, you know, sunset or light change or whatever it might be. And that is so, I mean, I was listening to it and I was like, oh yeah, I need to be doing a lot more of that because, you know, life goes by so fast. Right. And because we're always chasing something. Right. But when we can like stop for a minute and just like lean into those moments, I feel like we slow time down. Mm. Yeah. And then you get to kind of, that's that
1: same relaxed body supporting deliciousness. Um, and it's so funny because the world doesn't function this way. I was coming to the, I work in a hospital. I run the department for speech pathology in one of the med centers here in Los Angeles. And I was walking into the hospital in the morning and the light coming through was so beautiful. It was like sunny and warm and I stopped on the sidewalk and I faced the sun and I closed my eyes and lifted my face up just to like soak it in before running into work. And I had three people come up and ask if I was lost. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was it's so funny. I don't look lost. I, I have my eyes closed and I'm faced up to the sun because I'm just enjoying the moment. And I wanted to take a space for myself before I went into a busy day. But the perception for people was, well, the only reason you probably be stopped is because you don't know where you're going. So just be aware of the fact that stopping to smell the roses kind of makes you a bit of an oddball, but it makes you a really happy, relaxed oddball in the best, best way. Because a lot of us don't do that. We're not trained to do it. We're trained to achieve and move quickly and control Mm. and everything is very much that forcefulness and that sweetness, that relaxation. That's really, like you said, you know, Jennifer, it's like that slowing down. That's so gorgeous. But think about all the life experience that you miss when you don't do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. And I find this too, you know, in the women that are in my community who are you know, creating something new in their life, like they're stepping out of their comfort zone and, you know, they're, whether it's a new career or starting a business or whatever it might be. And, you know, this goes back to what we were talking about, um, about judgment, right? So they're on this road and all they can see is that I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. I'm not there yet. Right. Or there's so much more that has to be done. Ignoring all the tiny little things that mean that you are on the path, that you've taken a step, that you, you know, accomplished something today, right? And I feel like us learning how to first recognize those things and then celebrate ourselves for those things could make the journey a whole lot easier as opposed to striving for an end point like always striving for an endpoint and missing the journey in between. And I'm so guilty of that.
1: Um, (laughs) But it's so so funny because it is that old adage and logically it makes total sense. It's the journey. It's not the destination. We hear that all all the time and like our brains are like, that totally makes sense. I totally get it. But none of us live moment to moment that way. And it's because our society doesn't. So we don't really have healthy patterns with this reflected back to us. So Be aware of that, what you're feeding yourself with, what you're taking in, and who you're surrounding yourself with. Mm -hmm. Uh, So something as practical as like a moment of gratitude, there's a lot of people who talk about gratitude journals, that kind of thing, you know, a timer going off on your phone, a moment just to stop and be like, okay, what have I done and what have I accomplished? You know? That's a really big one. One sideline conversation to this, which doesn't get talked about enough, and I feel like gives a lot of ease to people, when you are creating something or you're a creator just in general, you're a seeker in general. You're not someone who's going to stop and just be satisfied with the status quo. You're curious. You want to kind of see what else is out there for your living, you're going to be a bit uncomfortable because it's always going to feel like you're not grateful because you want more and mm. sometimes the judgment of being selfish comes into play it rubs weird because you're like yes i accomplished that i should be really satisfied but then those little whispers come of like yeah but what's next you know and mm. so many of us have that crux point you kind of have to just know that you're naturally built that way i'm a seeker i'm never going to be I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to be fulfilled, but I'm never really going to be satiated and satisfied, you know?
0: But I feel like, and I I love that you brought this up because the the dichotomy between wanting more Mm -hmm. versus feeling grateful, I hear this all the time. And I did this myself. Like when I was in my corporate career and, you know, this like little niggling would come up and it would be like, what's next? There has to be something more to this. Like this is This is not what I expected it to be. And then I would literally in the next breath say, well, you should be grateful because so many people don't have what you have. And you have a nice home and a great job and you get well paid and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of this stuff. And I would use gratitude as the bypass for the seeking. And I hear this in my community all the time, women who have a dream, who have a longing, you know, and how you described it as seeking and then pulling themselves back from it by trying to find gratitude in the here and now. And they're not And in my mind, that's not true gratitude. Yeah. That's actually like a little bypass just to pull yourself back. It's a way to stop yourself. Yeah. 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 It's a little bit of self-sabotage is what it it is. Hey there. Just a quick break in the conversation to share some important information from one of the companies that support this show. Ladies, you're going to want to check out HempLily.com, especially if you have symptoms of perimenopause and menopause like insomnia or hot flashes. Hemply offers an alternative wellness product that can help you stay asleep at night, relax away stress and anxiety, soothe achy body parts, as well as reduce hot flashes and night sweats. I've been using CBD and hemp products for my unending menopause symptoms for years. I mean, are the hot flashes and night sweats ever going to end? And honestly, they've been a game changer for me. No more waking up a thousand times every night. They help me stay asleep and wake up feeling refreshed. And what I love most about Hemp Lily is that if you're not sure which product will work best for you, you can simply give them a call. They offer free consultations before, during, and after your purchase so you get the relief you need, backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So go to HempLily.com today and use the code CHICKS, C-H-I-C-K-S, at checkout for 25% off your entire order and free shipping anywhere in the United States. Now, you all know that I love a great reinvention story and also supporting women-run businesses. Hemp Lily's founder, Terry Yuzon had fibromyalgia, and she refused to believe that taking prescriptions for the rest of her life was the only answer. Along her journey to restoring her health, she discovered that hemp was the answer for many other issues, along with menopause symptoms. And so she created Hemp Lily to share this knowledge with you. More and more women are now using hemp CBD to manage the daily symptoms that stand in the way of creating their best next chapter. Hemp Lily brings you top quality products so that you can feel great and live your best life. So if you seek calm and productive days, a pain-free body, improved memory and focus, restless nights, and less symptoms of menopause, head over to hemplily.com. That's H-E-M-P-L-I-L-Y.com and enter the code CHICKS to save 25% off your entire order. Now let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, and right. so, but it's
1: so interesting because so many people have that. And for me, I, I've had to learn how to like let them both coexist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, to, like to give enough breathing room to allow myself to be grateful in the moment, but also having that uncomfortableness, because it is uncomfortable, of that thing of like, but I know there's more out there. Yeah. So allowing the breathing room and having them both coexist. But I think the big lie there that gets people stuck is that one can't exist without the other. Like they That's cancel the each other out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so these conversations about flipping perspectives, we've talked about that, but this other conversation now about really looking at what's the lie, what's the thing you've kind of bought into based on your faulty programming, like you talked about earlier. And a lot of times there are mass consumption lies. This is one of them, that mm-hmm. if you want more, you're not grateful. So many of us heard that already, you know? Yeah. You should like what you had for dinner. Don't you know how many people don't have food right now? It's programmed super, super early,
0: you know? Yeah, Well, exactly. But being able to hold those two truths without making ourselves wrong for it is really powerful. And I, like I, you know, over the last years have really grappled that because I was often made wrong for wanting more, like through Mm -hmm. my childhood, right? Which is kind of why that programming, (laughs) you know? came in, it's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to be grateful now for what I have. I can make myself wrong for wanting more. But I feel like the wanting more is a natural development of our soul's expansion, right? Like our souls are put on this planet to expand into our highest and best version, right? And that seeking is part of us that is like leading us in that direction. And so not only is it not wrong, it's divinely perfect. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, it's only made wrong based on other people's judgments. So yeah. look at the mind stories coming in around that. But it's just, it's a fascinating thing to me where so much of how we're programmed to live in this world is the direct opposite of what actually works energetically. Yes. Because when you look at energy is always expanding, always going for more, always flowing, always changing. And we're we're given a society where you're supposed to find your defined self, your one career,
0: mm-hmm. your
1: one relationship, your personality traits. I mean I got stuck with this big time in my mental health journey because the way I saw it and what I was taught in therapy to know myself was to have a very defined persona. And that was the thing that I was supposed to be all the time. And if I didn't, it meant that I didn't know myself. And that is, again is a wow. huge lie because it doesn't allow this flexibility and this movability and the multifacetedness that most of us have, you know. But that's another big lie that pops up a whole bunch.
0: Yeah. And I love how that leads back to curiosity because, you know, if you will allow yourself to be curious about, okay, so I've defined myself this way, but there's this thing over here that doesn't really fit the box and allowing yourself to be curious. And to follow that a little bit, right? Like expanding the box, if you will, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And if um, I didn't have to cut off my work self from my personal self and vice versa, hey. you know what I mean? Here's my professional mask, you know? And I, I I could feel that when I was getting ready in my younger days of the hospital. As soon as I put my scrubs on, it was one energy. And then I'd go into work and I put my lab coat on and it was like, <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, this huge wall and barrier came up of like now I'm like this. I can't connect to you anymore. It was very bizarre, but that was a really like external physical manifestation of a mask I had taken on. And it's beautiful when you have something like that because you can tell the change of location, the change of outfit, whatever. Not authentic, it's your mask, but to have that it kind of like wait a second. I just flipped and it became very, very stationary and very defined. and I feel a bit stuck and uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then you can start to identify it a little bit more and then kind of, again, get some breathing room, get a little bit of wiggle room around that.
0: Yeah, that is so true. I mean, and I think, you know, I mean, it's this is why I do this podcast and this is why I do the work that we do. I do is because so many women end up in my community because I feel stuck. And what you just described is exactly why they feel stuck, right? Because they can't see possibility beyond, you know, the confines of the box that they were either created or put in, right? And I I know even in my own journey, like I have found parts of myself that I literally didn't know existed before the age of 50, right? And, you know, like you could say, oh, I wish I knew them sooner, but I honestly think they were supposed to come out when they came out, right? And it was about discovering those things in this chapter of my life so that I can do what I do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like just allowing ourselves to unfold, I guess, and evolve as we go forward and follow those curiosities is, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Like that's our expansion right there. One of, my, um, one of my
1: personal favorite podcasts that I did, and it's an early, early episode. It was like maybe like the 15th I did. It's, it's bizarre. Just go with me on this. <laughs> I was going for a walk. I live here in Southern California, and there's a fern that grows here. And I was just fascinated by this plant. It was the first time I had ever seen it before. It doesn't grow straight out, so it's not like it just has a sprout and it goes linearly. It actually unfurls itself. It comes up like a little curly cue. And as it grows, the curly cue unfolds mm-hmm. and then the leaves actually sprout out from there. So it was right. it was just this energy of I always call it unfurling. Like I love that. It has such a delicious, relaxed, supportive energy. I'm just going to unfurl myself. And this plant was such a beautiful manifestation of that where it wasn't like, I'm just going to grow and I'm going to go from A to B. It's like, oh, I'm just going to allow myself to unfold and expand from here. And again, we're not shown examples of how that works. We think if we have to make a life change, career change, business change, we got to go from A to B and it's got to make sense. Right. 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 That's the plant going straight up as opposed to just this beautiful unfurling of maybe I take some space and just explore, let things go. It was just so different for me. I did a whole podcast on it, on this one plant that I met on a journey on the beach, you know?
0: Well, again, it's such a beautiful analogy because, you know, in my mind and in my, you know, programmed mind, it's like, my reinvention journey looks like this. I go from point A to point B, then point B, point five, and then C, and then it has this like logical flow. The reality of my journey has been A, Z, W, T, (laughs) F, a little bit of G, and then we come back around and it's literally been that, right? And for the longest time, for the longest time I fought that and I was like, well, there must be something wrong with me because it's not unfolding the way that it should. And again, we come back to that, what it should look like, right? And then when I finally got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm fully surrendering to like mm-hmm. what this journey is, like the parts of me that are going to unfold when they unfold, all of a sudden it was just like this, like, <sighs> right? I could down the load. I could just like be with what is, right? You know, surrender is such a powerful energy that, Mm -hmm. you know, we have unfortunately in our culture have associated surrender with laziness, Mm -hmm. right? There's a book called Michael Singer called The Surrender Experiment. I don't know if you, by Michael Mm -mm. Singer. It's a book about this guy who decides he's going to surrender to whatever life brings him and he's going to do it to the best of his ability and trust that he is being led to his highest and best by whatever unfolds in front of him. And he ends up going from teaching meditation, living in a camper in the middle of a field teaching meditation to whoever happened by, to building a massive meditation retreat, to becoming the CEO of a billion-dollar software company. Like, he literally, this whole thing unfolds in front of him. The first time I read that book, I was like, "Uh, yeah, no. Like, that's a (laughs) little too much surrender for me. Like, I, I cannot let go of my life. And that was probably about 5 years ago that I read that book and do you know how many times that book has come back into my awareness um, and I surrender a little bit more and then it comes back again and it's it, like it just keep like I can't escape this book it literally just keeps coming to me and slowly I'm like I'm oh I'm now getting it I'm understanding it more and more but it's been a journey and I feel like the process of reinvention like you mentioned is not about getting from point A to point B it's a journey it's a journey of unfolding that we have to surrender to
1: Yeah. And you're going to have a lot more ease along that journey when you lean into the sweetness of life and enjoy the ride. Yeah. So, so true. And finding like a moment of bliss when everything is like nothing's working. (laughs) (laughs) is <laughs> is challenging to do, but if you can, it's an amazing little, one little thing. I mean, we all have ups and downs. That's just like the way this cookie crumbles of life, you know? So being able to ride that wave and still find the sweetness is huge. Also, just like a really fun exercise for what you're talking about with the surrender. A lot of times we have such a control vice grip, death grip <laughs> on our living and our daily schedule and what's supposed to happen that- Making a big change sometimes is so scary that we never start. Mm. Really easy exercise is just to learn to wander and take a free hour, take a free 30 minutes, drop yourself off at a location, and allow yourself to go left, right, forward, back as you see fit. Mm. Sounds really strange, but it is such a freeing exercise of like, I'm not going to have a destination I'm not going to have a timetable. I'm going to know where I parked my car. That's about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't lose yourself. Don't lose your car. But being able to just, just like, take a wandering walk. And I started traveling. I did a whole bunch in Europe where I just did one-way tickets around. Never thought I would ever do that. I was way too controlled and planned out. But what was super freeing about that is I would have a map in my pocket. I knew I wanted coffee in the morning. And that was like my one target. I just allowed myself to wander. And I had my safety net of my map as I needed it. I knew I could call a car to get back to my hotel. But learning how to actually be in space without a timetable, a destination, or a goal in mind, that is a massive step in the right direction. And you can take it little. You can take your own neighborhood, just take a different path for 30 minutes and see where you end up. Or you could do bigger and bolder and kind of do it when you're traveling. It just opens up the space of maybe if I applied that to my life and my life choices, not just where I walked, what would be possible there?
0: I love that. I love that so much. I'm going to try that. I I mean, I've done that. I've done that actually a couple of times. Like I do these little solo trips and it's just like, I'm just going to wander wherever and see what, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I love that. Talk to me a little bit about courage and you just, alluded to this, right? Like sometimes it feels so overwhelming that we can't even start. Like where, how do we find courage in order to step into this like most authentic version of ourselves?
1: Gosh, that's a good question. It's a big question. I think it's like step-by-step, you know what I mean? And so many of us, I think, First, challenge what you think it looks like. Maybe that's a really good starting point. A Mm -hmm. lot of us, when we think about like someone who's made a courageous life choice, like for me, like using myself as an example, I've written a book, I've won book awards. I've been on a billboard in Times Square. People see that and it's not the success of it. It's the fact that I'm so out there with my personal story. So in their mind, I'm super courageous because I really put the nitty gritty to print and put it out in a big way. And I've talked to so many people who are like, but I'm running into so many blocks that I don't think I can do that. I'm like, you don't have to. You've made a decision that the path I took was a courageous one. And now you're measuring yourself against that. You don't have to do that to have the same amount of freedom in your life or be okay with what you went through in the past. So you have to really challenge about what you think or who you think is courageous, what the path is, what it looks like. Because the small acts of being courageous, taking a different path, going left when you normally go right having a different conversation, opening up to your partner where something's been bugging you and you're like, you know, I'm just going to be really real and honest for a moment. And that's not your normal pattern. That's super courageous. So I feel like the easiest step to that is to start looking at where you've been thinking it needs to look a certain way where it actually doesn't. Because you may actually recognize that you are more courageous than you think. And you've already made choices and actions in line with that
0: once you have that, you just do
1: more,
0: you know? Yeah. And that's actually such a good point that like, what is courageous for one person is mm-hmm. not necessarily courageous for others. Yeah. And like, every time we take a step into uncomfortable, it's courage. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee that anybody who's listening that's been on this planet for 40 or 50 years, there have been many, many, many times <laughs> that you have stepped into uncomfortable. I mean, that's life, right? Life is full of uncomfortable. <laughs> and how we define ourselves, well, I don't have the courage to do it, right? Like, Chances are you've done it already many times, Yeah. right? It just wasn't like as a pre-described notion of what courage should be. Yeah, to your point. Exactly. And I think it's so fascinating, again, challenging
1: the narratives. That's all that this is, is basically looking at where have I bought stuff that actually isn't true. And then if you are someone who really There are people out there who it's been rough to take a courageous step. Remember how we talked about before, it's like letting those two things kind of coexist and giving some space around it, the gratitude and the uncomfortableness of wanting more. This is the same sort of thing like allowing yourself just to be a bit uncomfortable in that moment where you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. And you don't have to take your comfort zone that's a teeny tiny circle and all of a sudden shoot 50, you know, 50 <laughs> yards beyond it. Sometimes you can just take a little teeny tiny step and that builds your own self-confidence. It's not all about it's not all about the leaps and the bounds that actually yeah. makes forward movement or success it can be those teeny tiny incremental changes. And when you don't do that, or you don't acknowledge that you've done it, then it can make you feel or keep that narrative that you actually aren't courageous, or you're not changing or succeeding. So kind of challenge all of those things. How big does it really need to be?
0: You know? Yeah. 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 Because I always talk about this too, is like tiny steps lead to big things. And it's a way to like hack that part of our brain that wants to keep us in our comfort zone, like wants to keep us safe, right? And so if we're going to, you know, take a giant leap out of our comfort zone, our brain is going to be like, no, 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 don't do it. You're going to fail. It's going to be, a, you know, a horror show, right? Whereas when we take that one tiny little step and we moved in that direction, our brain's like, oh, okay, she just did that one little thing. Okay, everybody quiet down. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're okay. It's all good. And then she takes and is like, okay, people, she's fine. It's just a tiny little step. And before you know it, Right. Like you've taken 10 tiny little steps and you're like light years ahead of where you were and you haven't like shot yourself in the foot in the foot in the process. Right. Like you haven't had to, you know, tangle with those fear monsters nearly as much. Yeah.
1: And you have to watch the safety thing. Like I'm really happy that word came up because a lot of us feel like if we're going to do the thing that we think is courageous, that we're going to be unsafe in some way. My favorite quote, I love Dolly Parton. I think she's a genius, not just her music, but just like, if you actually read stuff about her, she's brilliant and fascinating. One of her quotes was, you know, she was talking about just going for her dream and getting up and kind of, you know, going from a small town, you know, girl to this huge thing. She just said, every time it came up, she said, what's the worst thing that can happen? They're going to cook me up and eat me for dinner. (laughs) And I love that because every time it comes up for me, I'm like, what's going to happen? Are they going to cook me up and eat me for dinner? No. Then why not try it? You know what I mean? And I give myself an easy out. It's like when I started doing bigger media, I was like, I was so nervous to do it, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I don't know if I'm going to be good at it, but I'm at least going to give it a shot and I'll do it once. And if I don't like it, cool. I don't need to do it again. I did that yeah. when I started speaking too, because I'd have the jitters before I walked on stage and it was the same thing. I don't know if I'll be good at it. I don't know if I'll enjoy it, but at least try it and stretch yourself. And yes. then you can always make a different choice if you don't enjoy it. And of course, I ended up loving all of it.
0: <laughs> well, And that's <laughs> you know? the thing, right? Like you don't know what you're going to love if you don't try, right? Like I mean, there's only, I-
1: there's only so much you can figure out in your head. I've heard it described by Marie Forleo before, where she was like, it's a cul-de-sac. And you just keep looping around the cul-de-sac. You're planning your business. You're looping around. I think people will like this. I think I may try that. You have to take an off-ramp and actually do it to get more right. awareness and to see if you like it or not, you know?
0: Another great analogy. You're full of the good analogies I know. <laughs> I,
1: I, I talk and I coach that way. So they do pop out a lot. It's, it's bad yeah. when I start mixing them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that's another brilliant because yeah, I mean, it was the same thing when I started this podcast. I'm like, I have never podcasted before. But I, it's one of my most favorite things to do on the planet. And I would never have known had I not, you know, and sometimes I listen back to that first one, and I cringe a little bit. but I was like, Oh, look how cute she was. She's just starting out. She's so green. But I love how sweet you're being with yourself.
1: Look how cute. As opposed to, oh my God, I sound horrible and I have to take the episode Oh yeah, that
0: that was was (laughs) the case. I mean, the first blog post that I ever put up and the first podcast episode I ever did, I had to sit on my hands for three days to not go back and delete it because I was like, oh my God, what am I doing, right? And now I like, I see it. I'm like, hey, look at that. Look how she tried. She tried, she did it, right? It wasn't perfect. It wasn't great. A little bit cringy, but like she did it. And for entrepreneurs out there, people love
1: seeing that. Like when they can find you later down the road and then look at your earlier stuff, they're like, oh, wow, she's really grown and changed. But then not only do they acknowledge it in you, but then it starts to spark the thing in themselves of like, oh, well, maybe I can too.
0: Exactly. You know, exactly. And I yeah. think, you know, it just reminds people that like nobody's first try is perfect. And right. mm-hmm. and then because we have this thing, I'm, I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to do it perfectly. Right. And <laughs> yeah, it just reminds people that nobody's first time out on anything was perfect and you just work your way forward. And like you said, if you start going the path and you don't like it, you're like, OK, I give myself permission to quit. Right. <laughs> Yeah, And that permission is
1: huge because if you don't think you do have it, then you're going to never take the first step because you think you'll be stuck. Yeah. 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 There are very few things in life that you can't walk yourself back from. I've learned. Very few. Mm. Yeah. And I think you really have to like know that because then that fear factor and that whole like safety thing goes away. There are very few things that you kind of like are like, oh, I'm in jail too late (laughs) kind of thing. You know what I mean? Otherwise, there's always an ability to reboot. So why not take the leap and just try things out? And you have to really love, again, those little moments of experimentation.
0: Yeah. 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 And I, the other thing that's come to mind as you were talking, you know, this whole idea of, you know, it's a journey. Right. And on any journey, you, you're going to take a wrong turn and then you're going to not just continue down that road and know you're going in the wrong direction. You're going to be just like, oh, course, correct. Right. GPS, turn left, turn left, turn left. Right. Like you'll just. Right. And if you look at it that way, because I think we feel like if I make a wrong turn, that's the end of it. Like I'm now yeah. stuck on a dead, a dead end and I will never come back from it. But if we're looking at it as like a journey and following that curiosity and allowing that unfoldment, it's like, oh, that didn't work. You know, of course, correct. Let me try something different. And I feel like the journey to our most authentic self, I don't know if it ever ends. Because to the day we die, I honestly believe, and I hope this is true because this is the way I would like to live my life, is that I'm finding out things about myself every single day. Oh. Yeah. Like for me, I, I really love life
1: experiences. I'm like, I am. Um, it was so funny. I was home for Christmas and my parents love Hallmark movies. Like, and I don't have Hallmark <laughs> channels. So when we're home, we always like binge them. And there's a really cute one about the Rockettes that was out this last season. And I was sitting there, I was curled up on the couch with my folks. And I looked at my mom and I said, You know what's crazy is I've been on that stage.
0: <laughs> I
1: literally, and I was like, Oh, yeah, because I was a dancer. And at age 17, I went and actually danced with the Rockettes. So it's just kind of. Oh, wow you start seeing like your pattern. I'm really big on like experiences. And so one of the fun ways I play, I don't plan is to really look at what other life experiences I'd like to have. Right. And so when I look at it that way, it becomes less significant, but it also becomes way more fun. And so For me, when I'm like 70, 80, 90, who knows when I'll, you know, kick the bucket kind of thing, I'd still like to be accumulating those different life experiences. Mm -hmm. And it can be simple. Like that Rockettes thing was kind of a big example, but, you know, having a different career, you know, I've been a medical speech pathologist. I've been a manager of the department. You know, I've been an author, an international speaker. There's just all these different little hats that you put on. And how cool to be able to do that because they all just lead into each other, you know? Yeah. So the, the life experience is one way to look at it. Another way I play with it, not plan is to really look at like just stretching my skill set. you know, Mm -hmm. like I was looking, I just took a marketing program that was really based off of like interpersonal connection and really reaching out like cold calling. And I'm like, I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But I'm like, That's actually a skill set that if I just dove into the uncomfortable, I could maybe utilize it. So for me, sometimes I'll choose the uncomfortable just to be able to stretch my own skill set. And that's another way to kind of grow that little box that you put in of like, I'm just going to acquire a new skill. If I use it or not, that's going to be up to me. Mm. So great way to look at it, these little different ways, like I love the playfulness, the curiosity and the wondering, because again, you're in question, you're open, it's just ways to expand and live more like that. But if you play those ways and kind of do a mind hack on yourself, it becomes way easier to stretch your comfort
0: zone. Yeah. And every time you stretch your comfort zone, you learn something about yourself. And it's just Mm -hmm. more like you're expanding the box of who the who you think you are, right? Yeah. And then it's also interesting because it never shows up the way you think. <laughs> like,
1: you, always, you always get to some random place and you're like, I don't know how I got here, but I spent a lot of time just kind of expanding random skill sets and going like, that seems like a really fun life experience. I've never tried that before. Let me go have the experience of that. You know, I've never had the experience of walking into my boss's office and asking for a raise. Okay. Well, that's a life experience let me just go and see how it plays out. So it comes in all sorts of different ways. It doesn't have to be big choices, but if you frame it that way, it may actually make it a little
0: easier to do it. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. This has been an absolutely awesome conversation. So <laughs> <It's been> fun. <laughs> we could keep going on this. So to everybody listening, please go check out the podcast, the Lighten Up podcast. So good. Like I said, I was so many moments um as I was listening to it. Your book, award winning book, what's it called? The other the other side, side. side of That's Bipolar. It. Yep. A poignant read. I like I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Everybody. And where can people find more about you and your work? The easiest place is laurenpoly.com. That my website. Everything's up there. Okay, perfect. And I mean, a lot of the work you do is helping people expand their medical or mental health diagnoses, but do you also work with people who are just in the process of change or? Totally. And I say most of us are because everybody has mental health needs. (laughs) You
1: know what I mean?
0: This is true. Actually. Yes.
1: See, I just created
0: a box and you just expanded it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's fascinating because that's kind of like, if you look at the overt strokes of my business. It's more mental health, self-awareness. But really what that boils down to is living your best life and living as an expanded, multifaceted being. So I tend to attract people who are really going through a lot of change. And again, their curiosity of really, not only what else is physically out there, but what else am I aware of that I can experience day in and day out to live a fuller life? So all those nooks and crannies that you know just make life juicy.
0: Mm. Oh. Amazing. So we will Mm -hmm. put the link to your website, your podcast and your book in the show notes so that people can find more of Lauren Polly. Thank you for this conversation. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. So to everybody listening, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please leave us a rating or review or even better yet, recommend us to a friend, family member that you think would enjoy this. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chick No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.